scared. If we're in the middle, if we open it all the way up, first of all, before we read this, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for the opportunity to, to go to a church that sees vision. Yesterday, we had over 10 people at the church planning meeting, and four of them had planned on being there but couldn't make it. Okay, for those of you who don't know, that's about half of what started Connection already. Okay, we're, we're working with 14 or 15 people. It's exciting. For three hours, they sat and listened to me talk. I don't know why they stayed. Other than they see vision. They see what God is wanting to do with Connection. We're going to start a church. So if you, if you want to read those notes right there, if you, if you have it, you're looking at the center page, look at the right page. You know, Matt, I don't know if Connection's doing, you know, I don't know if God's doing stuff at Connection. I want to tell you this. Look at the, look at the Connect groups. Okay, the first one up top, the youth, 6th grade to 12th grade, come to my house, 1 to 2, 1 to 2 o'clock. The second one down is a brand new one. Hey, we're adding, we're adding Connect groups. We've got more people that want to be involved, 18 to 25-year-olds. Okay, no, there's no child care at this one. It's going to be at Jessica Labor's um, residence. And you can see the rest of the times down there. We do, mate, we do all meet this week. Next week, we do not. So this is, if you're trying to hook up with a connect group, this is the week to do it, not next week. Okay, next week we won't have it. Hook up with one this week. Um, to the matter at hand. I'm going to be preaching here in a little bit, and if you just open up that first, that first page, there's blanks in your worship handout. You can follow along in the sermon. You can fill in some blanks. We're going to do that. It just helps keep you from sleeping while I preach. There's, some, there's like three people that are awake that are getting these jokes. But. To the matter at hand, Pastor Mike Davis. It's going to be an emotional day. <laughs> Two o'clock this morning, he got to meet Jesus face to face. No more pain, no more suffering. I talked to his oldest son, John, on the, on the phone this morning at about 10 after 4. I told you I've been up for a while. <laughs> When I laid back down, I couldn't sleep anyway. I was ready to see you. Anybody ready to be at church this morning? When you woke up, you're like, man, I can't wait to be at church around my family. At 2 o'clock this morning, he got to meet Jesus. At 4 o'clock, I talked to his oldest son, John, and John said this. As in typical Davis fashion, he said, Matt, is there anything we can do for you? Those of you that knew the Davis family understand what I just said. He said, I was with my dad when he passed away. I stayed up with him. He couldn't, he couldn't verbalize anything, a lot of medication. Okay, that's just what, your, just what your body does. And he said, we had a Pandora station playing over Charter Internet. And uh, he said, at the time of my dad's passing, the song, I Am Free. No more pain. No more hurt. No more cancer, no more glasses, nothing except worship and meeting our God. And for some of us, we're quite jealous. <laughs> and yes, there will be tears probably all day long for a week. There needs to be. That's how God helps us heal. God gave us these emotions. He gave them to us. He built us. So if you want to talk to God out loud in your own time and talk to him very loud, sometimes, I do. God, are you sure you understand what you're doing? Okay. God says to me, I, the creator of the universe, know what I'm doing. I've got this. In a text message that I received from Laura Davis this morning, she talked about what the kids are learning this, this, this month. 
talking about David versus Goliath, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And she said, in the big things and in the small things, this is what you need to know, and this is what you need to tell our people, that God's got this. There was no sorrow in her voice when I talked to her. Oh, sure, she's going to hurt. Sure, she'll cry. Sure, there'll be pain. But there was joy. There was relief. She was happy. Thankful. See, that's the hope. That's the hope. That's why we serve our God, the one God, the only God. That's why. She did ask this request. She said, please, we don't need food. I know. See, she knows connection people. She knows people will give. Okay, she knows that. So she says, please tell them, we have everything that we need. We have food. All of her family was there last night. Everybody's there. Exactly how you'd want it to happen. We don't want it to happen. That's how you want it to happen. She said, we don't need food. We don't need, we don't need anything. But she said, she asked me to ask you for the next couple of days, their family is going to be together. And they asked that everybody kind of just give them time. Um, and again, you know, there's only one reason why she has to ask that for me to ask you because she knows that you would give everything you have. And that's the type of people that if you're a first time in connection with us this morning, it's a little bit different service, (laughs) but that's the type of people that you're sitting right next to. It's people that will give and people that will give and people that will give and people that will give. We do not want to stay comfortable. We want to help those people. So she said that, um, if you read Caring Bridge, it says in lieu of flowers, please don't send flowers. They said no flowers, no food. Okay, the two Fs, no flowers, no food. She said if, if somebody wants to make a, a memorial, a donation, that's on Caring Bridge, they can make it to the Connection Property Fund, or there's another thing on there that you can send money to help Laura, just herself, just for the family. I explained yesterday, at the church planning meeting, these, these, these four thoughts. We sang the song, Go, I Am, One Thing Remains in Oceans today. And I told the church planners, I said, we don't just get comfortable and get to pick all the songs that we want because I want to watch, watch this. Watch what God does. Watch how cool God is. We were given an example for seven years of a man that gave it all away. Or we not. And, he, and he's taught me and he's taught you, some of us in your house, And he said, when those things happen in your life, there is one thing that we can hold on to. So I am holding on to you through this storm. And in that storm, though we may see that that mountain is so high, God says, that mountain is nothing compared to me. I'm bigger than that mountain. I will go up around it. I will go over it. I will go through it. I am the God of the universe. There is nothing in your life that I cannot handle. And then we step onto oceans and we see the lyrics. It says, God says, when you get to that point in your life where you think you need to step out on faith where I'm leading you, you need to understand that there's going to be something underneath your feet when you step. He promises that. See, we don't, we don't do things unintentionally. Everything has a purpose. Speaking of purpose, I didn't just get up and write this sermon last night, so you're going to see how cool God is real fast. We are going to be in the book of James It is directly after Hebrews in the New Testament. Look on your table of contents. Find a page number. Look it up. And you know what? Here's the deal. You are with family. If you can't find it, there's going to be somebody from Connection that's sitting beside you. They go, hey, let let me help you. I know where that is. Okay? I'll give you guys a second to turn on that. And I'm going to ask you these questions. Remember that I did not get up and talk about this last night. I did not write this sermon last night. 
title of the sermon on, the, on your message or on your, on your worship handout is, How Do I Worship God When Things Go Wrong? I made a mention of that this morning, and someone told me, well, things didn't go wrong. Things are really right now. Yeah, I agree. But we can be selfish. One of the first questions I want to ask you, has anything ever happened in your life that was bad? I think it pretty much connected with everybody right there. How about this? Have family members that are close to you passed away? See, at Connection, we have all kinds of family members, and blood doesn't constitute family here. You're sitting beside somebody that loves you very much. Have you ever lost a job? Been in a relationship that dissolved? Have you ever been through a divorce? As a kid or as an adult? See, when I'm having a good day, like I got a raise or like I got a day off, it's easy for me to praise God. It's easy for you, you to pray, praise God. If you get to spend a whole day with your family, oh, God, thank you. This is the greatest day in the world. Please, somebody contact me and tell me that you're going to praise the Lord when you receive your property tax in the mail. See, it doesn't happen. Those things get us down. I got to pay what for sewer? I got to pay for track? What? See, those things, those things just eat at us every day. They're always there. I can't believe that gas is $3.29 a gallon. I can't believe that I would say $3.29 is a pretty good price. <laughs> I'm going to make my own. i got to find out how to make my own. But sometimes when we, these things happen, man, I had a grandpa that was taken at 64 years old. He finished roofing his house the day before he died, and God said, boom, heart attack. Heart exploded, gone. And I talked with my grandma yesterday, and I, t- I was talking to her about how Mike was doing, and my grandma said, you know what? It's not good either way. It's not good either way. And if it would happen this way, I would have wished it would happen the other way. And if it would happen this way, I wish it would happen the other way. But she literally stepped out of the, out of the room and right back in. She was going to give him a haircut, and he was gone. Gone. 64 years old. But sometimes when those things happen, I remember being a 21-year-old guy. I was in Fayette, Missouri. I, I, reckon, I was standing. Mary had an apartment. I was standing outside the kitchen, right by the couch, on her portable telephone. I, was, I can tell you exactly what I was wearing. When I got that phone call, my mom said, your grandpa didn't make it. My grandpa didn't what? Wasn't he roofing his house yesterday? Doesn't he realize that in a month and a half is going to be deer season? This is not okay. See, we did everything together. And I remember that shock. I remember that thing. And the number one thing I said, if I, when I told you to have a conversation with God, let me show you. Let me show you some of the things that I said when I had a conversation with God. God, this is not fair. God, this hurts me. I'm selfish. I want him back. See, we say these things. Sometimes things do not go the way that we think that they should. Oftentimes, oftentimes, if a relationship goes bad, if you can't get along with someone, if someone dies, if, some, if something happens that's, that's negative in your life, the first thing that our selfish, carnal self wants to do is blame God. Let me tell you something. God did not sit up in heaven and start picking these things out to make your day go bad. He didn't do it. He didn't do it. God says this. He said, I know and understand that there's going to be trials in your life. My promise to you is that there will not be any, pro- there won't be any problems. My promise to you is that I will be there when you have problems. I am the one that you can hold on to. I'm the one that's going to be there. If you're with me in the book of James... 
James is writing to Jewish people. He's writing to people that believe in Jesus Christ. They're followers. They believe that Jesus, when he, who, they believe Jesus was who he says he was. And now, currently, right now, we're going to pick up, they are involved in one of the very first churches. One of the very first ones. We pick it up in James chapter 1, verse 1. It says this. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, the Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. First off the bat, the first negative word we see in there is slave. Remember that Paul and others, including James, considered him a slave to do the will of God. They gave everything they had. They had seen and witnessed things that our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, had done on earth. And they were so convinced that he was who he says he was that they were willing to give everything, including their life. Everything. Everything. He's so, James here is so thankful for what God has done in his life. And he goes to these people and he says, I have a passion to tell you this stuff. Why? Because it's changed my life. Listen, I understand what it's like to go through hard stuff. And he tells these people. The book of James was written by the half-brother of Jesus, not James the Apostle. Now watch. Half-brother to the Savior of the world. Can you imagine those conversations when you're younger? Get, get in a fight with Jesus, an argument with Jesus, and he just stops you in his track. He goes, I'm God's son. What do you got? <laughs> he wins. I mean, Jesus, we talk about this with the youth group. It's, it's funny. We, we often think, I teach, I teach PE, and I want to be like, man, you imagine that, you know, Jerusalem Middle School? Jesus has got to be picked first for kickball. And he has to. I mean, he's like dodgeball. People throw, throw a ball at him. He goes, nope, 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 nope. And the ball just stays there. He goes, okay. <laughs> you know, God gave us laughter. Laughter heals. Some, some of you are like, man, was he making jokes on a day like today? We are celebrating today. Not only, not only a life, but we're celebrating that we have hope in all the bad things. Stephen was a person who believed in Jesus Christ and he had his life taken from him. And in the, according to the Bible, he was one of the very first martyrs. It's people that, that die for what they believe in. And he was a martyr. This is around 50 AD. All these people in the early church, when they saw that Stephen had been killed, they flipped out. We have to leave. We have to go. We have to scatter. They're going to kill us. We're talking legitimate fear here. Fear for life. So they moved to areas in Asia Minor, Turkey and Rome and and, and all all these places. And James wrote to these churches to help lead and guide them. Do you think that they were going through tough times? When's the last time that you had to leave your house for fear of your life? See, this this is what I'm talking about. These people are scared. In verse 2, he says... Dear brothers and sisters, at Connection, you are a brother, you are a sister. My young, my young daughters have adopted aunts, they have adopted uncles, they have adopted friends, they have adopted grandparents. This is a family. 
a family, just like James is talking to these people. He considers these people family. Why? Because they have a common denominator. They are not blood-related. Most they're not, they're not. They're not blood-related. But they are blood-related through Jesus Christ. They are. Christian believers were killed for their faith. If you push a group of people to the point of survival, what you are doing is that group of people has no choice but to get tighter. They learn how to look up for one another. They watch their back. They watch in front of them. They watch behind them. These people are tight. Okay, they're very tight-knit. He goes on and says, when troubles of any kind come your way. Man, I love how this says, if trouble comes by. Man, James was pretty straightforward with this, people. He said this. He said, when troubles of any kind come your way. He doesn't say if. He doesn't say maybe. He says when. James understands, just like I do, just like you do, that trouble happens in this life. Trouble happens. Bad things happen. People get divorced. People leave houses. People have accidents. People die. These things happen. Some of you are sitting right here, right now, and your heart is broken. Mine too. And we hurt. And we want it to stop. But it's not going to immediately. God created those emotions. They're real. They're real. We have to have time to heal. Healing. Some of you may be sitting there and said, Matt, my heart's broken, or I'm going through trouble and hardship right now. Man, Matt. Money at my house is just non-existent. And food at my house is just non-existent. I don't have a great relationship with my wife right now. I, don't, I wish my husband would just treat me correct. I wish that I could have a good relationship with my grown children. Some of you have that right now. My marriage is going downhill. My job is changing or going away. My mate left me. Whatever you have. To talk to you like James does, my brother and sister. I want to encourage you to read the next part of verse 2 with me. Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Some of you have now thought that James, including myself and James, we have lost our mind. How in the world do you celebrate property tax? How do you celebrate a car payment? How do you celebrate my mate doesn't get along with me? How do you celebrate that? I'm not telling you to celebrate that event. I'm not asking you to do that. What I'm asking you to do is to consider it an opportunity. I will not consider it a great joy when trouble is happening. Too many people think that. I won't. I won't. I'm upset. I'm mad. We're not going to go into that, but I imagine some of you might be door slammers when you get upset. Cabinet slammers. Watch what James is trying to explain. He's not saying that we need to walk around and put on a show like nothing is wrong. He's not saying that. At Connection, we've been over this. At Connection, if you're new with us, the joke around here is that our people want and try to be transparent. 
If you do not have five or ten minutes to truly understand and want to know how somebody's week was at Connection, don't ask them. They will tell you. Because we know that we're family. And before this tragedy, this joyous occasion, this celebration of Mike ever happened, there were things that went on and there were people that said, I'm going to walk right beside you through this thing in your life. There's people here that I could just point out to. I could point specific people and they said, through this tragedy, so-and-so from Connection walked beside me. So-and-so from Connection prayed for me. So-and-so Connection did this. So-and-so from Connection did this. We strive to have a positive outlook. Some people struggle with this so much that if I handed them a hundred bucks, they would be upset if I gave them two fifties instead of a hundred. And you know that I'm right. Some people have this pessimistic attitude that anything I can go here, here's two fifties, and they're like, give me a hundred. They'd be upset if I give them a hundred dollars. If I give them two tens instead of a twenty, some people will say, Oh, I'm A positive outlook is not, is not, is not pulling the shade over things that are going on. That's not a positive outlook. A positive outlook is trusting that God is who he says he is. God, I'm going through this. Good. Tell him. Tell him. Do you not think... Do you not think being the specific, special creation that you are, my God, and your God doesn't want to hear from you? That's crazy. That's what Satan wants you to know. He wants you, oh, yeah, be alone. Be alone. There's nobody here. Stay home from church today. You don't need to celebrate with your family. Stay home. Sleep in. Hit the snooze. When God says, I want you to be with your people, especially in times like this. Especially. Verse 3 says, for you know That when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. See, troubles, oftentimes, after, after the trouble is gone, people can back up from the situation, and they can be very honest, and they said, I learned so much by going through this. After the fact, not in it. I know, I've been there. It's tough. Hmm. We can turn hurting times into times of healing and growing. And tough times can teach us a big long word, perseverance. We won't give up. Verse 4 says this, so let it grow, not let it go. Huh. Not going there. Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Think about this. Has there ever been a time in your life where you were faced with something that seemed like you would never, ever get out of? There was a time in your life where you felt you had the blindfold on and you were walking down a road and you could not see past that huge, gigantic mountain or whatever it was in the middle of your road of your life. Can't get over it. I can't get over the death of my parents. I can't get over my mate leaving me. I can't get over the death of a child. I can't get over my, my, my mate just does not like me anymore. She, she, they, they've fallen out of love with me. I can't get over this. Maybe this situation was beyond your control. And you thought that there was no escaping the hardship. I can't get out of this. 
Some of us have physically said out loud, I don't think that I'll ever get out of this. I don't think that I'll ever get out of this pit. If you like Beth Moore, her book says get out of this pit or something like that. You feel like you're in the bottom of the well and you're so deep when you look up you can't even see the light. We've been there. It's dark. And then in that situation, God happened. You ever seen that happen in your life? God, I don't, I don't physically think that I can get over or through this mountain that's in the middle of my life. And he said, I created that mountain. Watch this. Not the sinful mountain. God can go up, through, around, bust it in half, whatever he needs to do. Anything that comes in our life, God is bigger. God is bigger. I was having a good day Thursday morning. Thursday, 6 a.m., I go to Hardee's before, before work. And I meet a person there, and we mentor at 6 a.m. Some of your people have physically now thought that I have lost my mind. 6 a.m. Thursday. There's a gentleman behind me, probably 70 years old. I don't know his name. I can't wait till this Thursday. I want to I wanna, I wanna meet him. I, got, I didn't get his name last week. But he's standing there, and he's there every single time I'm in Hardee's. He's there. He's one of those guys. You know what I'm talking about. They're always there. They have their assigned seats. One of these guys has been there so long. You remember this? He still has the glass Hardee's coffee mug for 25-cent refills. That's before me. This guy's been drinking coffee at Hardee's a long time. And he came behind me one time on Thursday morning, and I said, hey, I said, let me buy your coffee today. He goes, you don't need to do that. Then he said this. He goes, it's only a senior coffee. I said, exactly. So let me spend 49 cents, 46 cents, whatever it is, and I'll buy your coffee today. Well, you don't have to do that. See how, do you see how quick we are to say, oh, you don't need to do that for me. I can carry my own bags. I can spend my own money. 34-year-old buying a 70-year-old guy a cup of coffee, and this is what it turned into. I said, you come into Hardee's and you have a good time sitting with your buddies? Oh, yeah. I do this, I do this every day. I said, I know. <laughs> I see you all the time. <laughs> And I said, how about this? How about you come into Hardee's this morning, and instead of spending your money, let me buy your coffee, and you can hang out with your friends for free today. That's, he, just, he didn't have anything to say. Like no one had ever done that. It's 49 cents. Now, I was having a good day on Thursday. Is it true that it's easier to do that on a good day? Yeah. Yeah. How about this? How about you have a horrible day at work? Go to Hardee's, and they take too long on your order. Oh, I would just like my food, please. Like now. It's easy. Man, we can switch gears in a heartbeat. Our emotions can go from glorious happy day to give me my food now in seconds. Yes, it's harder to buy that guy's cup of coffee on a bad day. It is. But that's when it has the most meaning. It's when you can say, God, I know that I'm going through this today, but let me bless somebody else. Let me bless. What? The world does not think this. If you have your worship hand out, it says, in those times of trial, we must ask God for strength and help. 
Some of you have kids, have prayed this prayer. It's, God, let me have the strength to not do something to my kids. My dad, had, my dad has this thing on Facebook. He said, he said, grandchildren are the reward for not killing your kids. I think he's right. But in those times of trial, we must ask God for strength and help. Let me tell you something. You are not strong enough physically. You are not strong enough mentally. And you are not strong enough spiritually on your own to get through some of these things in your life. You have got to have God with you. He's necessary. He is necessary. In verse 5, he says this. James is talking to that if you need wisdom, James is not talking about the wisdom that Solomon asked for, all intelligence. He says this. He's not only asking for knowledge, but also the ability to make wise decisions. Hmm. Wise decisions in difficult circumstances. I'm not really having a good day. Where I'm going is a, is a little bit of waste of time for me. I don't want to go there. Have I ever prayed that? Yes. Have you ever prayed that? Yes. But when it's a, when it's a thing we're doing for God, man, you don't think there's any times that I'd like to get off work and go sit in a tree stand all day? It's not hunting season yet, but it's, it's soon. Or go fishing or do absolutely nothing or play golf. And we have band practice. Golf, band practice. Let me tell you something. I love band practice. But there are some nights that I've had a day at work that's just kind of, mm. And you know what I'm talking about. And I, and, I, and I find myself driving from my house saying, God, this is the attitude that you have to have. God, I do not do this for me. I am doing this for you. Please help my poor attitude. That's the wise, circumstantial understanding. God, help me with this. Now, I can, I can say that to you. Some of you are thinking, wow, I bet the band doesn't like you. Listen, we have a great time. We've learned to live our lives together. And most of the time, if I walk in that door in a bad mood, guess what happens when I leave? I'm in another realm. Because I've concentrated my thoughts on God, something holy. Something good. Something much better than me. He goes on in verse 5. says, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He wants us to ask. As believers, we do not have to crawl through this life on the floor in the dark. Listen to me. You do not have to crawl on the floor through the dark of this world and life. Because my God is the huge flashlight. He says, I want you to know. I want you to know the plans that I have for you, but you're going to have to talk to me to get that. I want that relationship. I want you to talk to me, even when it's hard. Sometimes I hurt. I don't want to tell anybody about it. You keep it to yourself. Let me tell you something. That's not healthy. Stress on the body can hurt you badly. Cause you to take medication. Cause you to go in the hospital. Cause you to have heart problems. Here is why you should ask for God's wisdom. Because it's practical. The wisdom of God relates to our life even during the most trying times. 
It's practical. Number two, it's divine. Wisdom is divine. God's wisdom goes beyond our common sense. Thank you, Jesus. God knows better than I do. Wisdom is Christ-like. Asking for wisdom to be able to act how God wants you to act is to be like Christ. God's wisdom is practical, it's divine, and it's Christ-like. In order to get that, you have to be honest with yourself and God. You must do this. Check out the next blank on your message map. We must tell God how we feel. If you don't think that this is a biblical principle and teaching, please look at the life of David. Not little David. King David. When he sins against God, you read his prayer. You tell him how, you, you read how David felt when God took his son. Read that. God, and he, and he shouted. The Bible says he shouted, he got loud. There's some things in this life that make us upset. It's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. Some of us have no trouble at all telling everybody in planet Earth what is wrong in your life on Facebook. But we have a hard time telling our God and creator of this universe. You understand what I'm saying? It's so easy for us to go, oh. Like, share, retweet. I don't care what you do. Instagram. I don't like this person. Instagram. See, it's so easy. It is so easy to type, 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 share, post. And what we don't do well is we don't stop, put it down, get on our knees and talk to this one. Because that's the guy that wants to talk to you about your problems. Sure, you can get lots of advice on Facebook. I haven't read much healthy. You're getting your advice from the wrong source. How do I know this? Because anybody on Facebook, no matter their reputation, no matter their job, or no matter where they live, had no point, no instrumental in charge. They were not involved in the creation of you. That, is, that belongs to him. He made you. Oh, yes, mom and dad came together. Okay, I get that. He made you. He understands you. He built you. Do you not know, do you not, do you not think? How about this? Somebody told me this, this this week. He says this. It is okay to tell God exactly, exactly how you feel. He can take it. <laughs> it is okay to tell God exactly how you feel because he can take it. Now, you know as well as I do, you have people in your family, you have people that are close to you, that you cannot tell them exactly how you feel, even though if you want to. There will be hurt feelings. They won't talk to you anymore. They'll get mad at you. In verse 6, chapter 1, it says this, But when you ask God, be sure that your faith isn't God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. A person with divided loyalty is not completely convinced that God's way is best. You hear me? A person with divided loyalty is not for sure that God's way is completely best. He goes on in verse 7. Talking about these people. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. God wants it all. We give it all away, away. God wants it all. All. Not 90%, not even 98%. He wants everything. He wants your marriage. He wants your life. He wants your money. He wants you to trust him with everything that we have. 
everything. And verse 8 says, their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that you do. Unstable people get tossed easily. When I lived up in Robinson, just north of Robinson and east towards the, towards the Wabash River is a small, small town called Palestine. Now, Palestine is not famous for very much, except it's completely crazy, awesome, fertile soil right along the river. It's mostly sand, so they have to keep it irrigated. But it grows tremendous crops. In fact, Del Monte, you know, the canned good people, they grow green beans and peas up there because it's so good. But you can drive up Route 1, and on the east side of the road, on the east side of the road, for those of you direction people, east side of the road, towards the river, it's all sandy. All sand soil. On the west side of the road, it's dirt, clay, like we have. You can go down Route 1 and head north. And if there has been a wind, let me show you something. If there has been a high wind, the corn on the west side of the road that is in the firm soil and the clay is not touched. But you could take a box fan and blow some of that corn over that's on the sand. They don't have the foundation. It doesn't. I've seen, I've seen, I used to work in an agribusiness. I've seen farmers lose acres because they couldn't get to it, just blew it flat. There was, there was no soil. There was no, there was nothing to grab onto. People that have divided loyalty can be tossed and shaken and just blown flat. You know, we've probably both been there. If your faith is new, if it's weak or struggling, remember that you can trust God. Look on your worship handout. One way we can do this is this. We must keep focus on God and his promises, especially during the hard times. When things go wrong, we focus on God. This is what we like to do. We like to end the day Say we're eating dinner or we're getting ready to go to bed or something. And if we reflect on the day, the very first things that go through our mind and that we are completely hung up on most generally are negative. We just concentrate on all negative. It's easy. If I put a white piece of poster board that was this tall in front of you and I took a magic or I took a Sharpie and put a dot in the middle of it, ask you what you see, you would almost all say, oh, I see the dot. Do you see that? We see the imperfection. We don't see the 99.4% that's not black. All we see is negative. If there's anything that I have learned in Celebrate Recovery, it is I have to keep my inventory and how I think of myself balanced. Yeah, God, I had a pretty rough day at work, but man, I went out to my truck this morning and it started. I had enough gas to drive to work. When I went to work, I got to go to work. They gave me a paycheck. I got to come home and see my family. Yeah, there's a lot of things that didn't go right, God, but thank you for today. See, that's a, ba- that's a balance. So easily. God, I had a horrible day. Traffic going to work. Farm machinery's out. You don't think there's farm machinery. Go to Wayne City. Some people are from there. You understand. Okay? It's getting ready to be harvest time. My, my journey to work from Mount Vernon would be as much as 40 minutes sometimes. Farm machinery everywhere. You had farm machinery and fog at about 7.30. That's not good. You even delay it longer. 
But we have to keep focused on the positive. In verse 9, it says this. Believers who are poor have something to boast about. Why? Before Jesus Christ gave honor to the poor people or spoke to the poor people or or told the poor people that they had hope, they were a completely useless social people. Completely useless. Completely useless. They couldn't talk in certain places. They couldn't be represented. They didn't have the money. But when Jesus came, Christianity gave new meaning to the poor. Because of Jesus, their life had meaning. For God was honored in the rest of verse 9. For God was honored, or has honored them. In verse 10, and those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. Some of you have been with connection long enough. If you still have your same Bible, I've changed since then. But if you had your New Living Translation and you were in the primary center, you'll remember the journey that we took through Ecclesiastes. And every, nothing is new under the sun. And life is a vapor and it goes away fast. And remember the song that we played. To everything, turn, turn, turn. There's a season, a, a time to die and a time to be born. He says, our lives will fade away like a little flower in the field. Wealth, success, and money do not mean anything to God. Guess what? If you go away from this world, somebody's going to recycle your money. You don't take it with you. You know, the the thing is, there's no U-Hauls in the back of a hearse. You don't take it with you. You don't. Why are the people that have these attributes considered so important? This is what the poor people thought. Their whole life they grew up, and the only important people are the ones that have money. Jesus came and says, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Blessed are you. You're going to inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. Meek does not mean weak. It means controlled strength. To be a very humble and a meek person takes incredible amounts. It takes way more strength than being a strong, outspoken person. How do I know that? When you were growing up, was it harder to get into a fight or walk away from one? See, walk away. He goes on in verse 11, says, The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and falls and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. James is telling these people, listen, just because you don't have something doesn't mean you're not important. When you're going through these things, remember, remember, remember where you're going. In verse 12, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. (laughs) Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. God wants us to trust him. Yeah, but what's our reward? I don't know. Eternal life of perfection. Okay? You can't get that out of the claw game for a quarter. You can't. You can't get out of it. You can't. You can't go to a soda machine and have eternal life come out. Let me tell you, what God gives us right here is worth more than any trial, any struggle, anything that we can go through in this life. This is worth more. This is worth more. Good things happen to people. So do bad things. But in all things, we have to do what the worship handout says. Your very last one. We must praise God in spite of our circumstances. I know some of you are filling this out. Matt, you are crazy. You can't, seriously, Matt, you cannot go through this life and say, oh, 
thank you, God, for this, and it be something negative. You can't do that. Let me tell you something. James says that you can. Before we had the first video to our sermon, there was a video that I played. And that was supposed to be the video right before my sermon. It said, it was Worship While I'm Waiting. It was a song. All fireproof, if you've seen that movie. Worship While I'm Waiting. How do I worship thing how do I worship God when things go wrong? You tell him how you feel. Tell him. Tell him how you feel. Trust him. Ask for wisdom. Ask for strength. And I wrote this three weeks ago. (laughs) I know that many of us are hurting today with different things. I know that many of us are hurting today with different things. I want to encourage you. And I want to promise you two things. How can you promise something? Let me tell you. These are two things that I can promise. Number one. Number one. My God is good. In all things, my God is good. In all things, my God is good. And number two. In this church, with this group of believers, you are not alone. I don't care what you've struggled with. I don't care what is in your past. I don't care what circumstances come in your life. Anybody, God has put people here, anybody that walks through that door, I don't care what you've struggled with. There is somebody from Connection that can connect with you and walk with you through life. How can you possibly say that? I have seen it. I've had people walk beside me when there are certain things that come up in my life, these circumstances that are negative. God is good and you are not alone. You are not alone. I'm going to close this morning by telling you about an email that I received this week. From a member of Connection. It doesn't matter who. Don't sit in your chair and guess. I'm not going to tell you. And this person said this. Maybe you can relate with them. And if you can, please see me after church. I'll give you the name of that person. You can go talk to him. You can live life with him. How about that? That's what we do. And this person said this. I don't feel appreciated at my job. I'm not encouraged at my job. I feel like I'm just there. I take up space. I do my job. I go home. And if I wasn't there, nobody would notice. I just don't feel like I make a difference where I'm at. And that person said this. I appreciate Mike. And I appreciate you. Being transparent with us and saying and telling us of things that did not go right in your life. This is not a brag on Matt and Mike show. This is, this is a brag on what connection people do. It's what we've been put into our brain. It's our vision for our church. We're going to be different. We're not going to be a cookie cutter. So this person feels alone at their work. And this person said, when you share some of the things in your life, it really, really helps me. And she just wrote that email. There you go. You got a 50-50 chance. It's a she. 
She said, I just wrote this email because my husband said that when I'm in a bad circumstance, I should encourage people. Whoa! He had no idea what I was preaching about today. But it's in those low spots. When you feel low, then we praise God. And I call that person back, and we talk for about 45 minutes. And I can't begin to express the amount of growth that I've seen in that person since they started coming to Connection. But it comes from this. It comes from when you get that phone call at 2 a.m. and things don't go your way. Wow. What a shock. You don't get the right amount of pay at work. Or they take more money out than they should have. Or your mate's not happy with you. You don't have a relationship with your adult kids that you want, that God desires. Maybe they're, not, maybe they're out of church. It's in those times where you say, God, no matter what, no matter what, I'm going to praise you. My wife and I walked out of a hospital one time. And a doctor told us, any chances that you have had in the previous time to have children have now been cut in half because Mary had an eptopic pregnancy. Any chances of you having a kid just got cut in half and you've been trying for over a year, we're not sure that you're going to have kids. This is the prayer that we prayed. God, this is not something that we planned on. God, this is not something that we want. We would love to have children. And I remember praying this with my wife. God, if we have children, we're going to praise you. We're going to praise you. We're going to give them to you. We're going to teach them to honor you. But God, if you see fit, that it's not for us, we will praise you in this storm. We will praise you in this life. We'll adopt a kid. We'll adopt two. And we'll raise them to love you. And it is in those types of situations. It's on September 21st when I got some of the worst news I've ever got in my life. It's in those days that we can get in front of people, in front of a church, worship together, and sing, I'm going to give it all away, God, because it's all about you. It's not about me. God, you're higher than the mountains that I face. I'm holding on to you. I have no idea where this storm's going, but God, you will not let me go, and I'm not letting go of you. And God takes us to that point in our life, and he says, you trust me, because where your feet stop, I don't. It's like Peter in the boat. Peter, get out of the boat. Keep your eyes on me. Peter kept his eyes. He just walked on the water. God says, I will take care of you. Praise me when it's good weather. Praise me when it's bad. Today, before you leave connection, I want you to find somebody. I want you to encourage them before you leave. Why are we going to do that? Because we're different. We're different. Somebody that you come in contact today may just need, hey, thanks for doing that today. Before you leave connection this morning, you encourage somebody. We're gonna, even if you're having a bad day, that's the best time. We're going to praise God if it's sunny, and we're going to praise God if it's not. Bow with me in prayer. God, sometimes the sun shines on us, and sometimes it doesn't. God, we want to have a, 
a special time of prayer for Laura and Daniel and John and Misty and Rachel and their family. And we ask God that you just bless them. As you're already doing, provide love and support from everywhere to them. Thank you, God, for the model that you have let them be to some of this world. Thank you, God, for their attitudes because they know how they can put their trust in you. And God, the last thing on his mind is attending a connection service right now. I can tell you that. But we just thank you for Mike Davis, God. Personally, from a church, we thank you, God. May we take what he's taught us in seven years and we give everything that we have to further the kingdom of you. Give us the strength and on a sunny day we encourage and on a cloudy day we encourage. When things don't go right in this world, God, let us worship you. In all things, we give thanks. We thank you for the sunshine outside. And God, I thank you for an opportunity and a point in life where we can go through and you can show us just how big you are that our faith can grow. I thank you for this body of believers. I thank you for this church. Thank you for the people that are in these chairs. May we leave today, God, with the attitude of encouragement, whether it's rainy or sunny. And that whatever we do, we do it to glorify you and you alone. In your name we pray. Amen.